Welcome to another edition of Never a Dull Movie. I am Father Chip Hines, and I'm joined by... Brian Swift. And we are doing our first show of 2020. And for that show, because it's the new year and because this is what people do, we're going to do a top 10 show. Or, you know, a 10 show, as I like to say it. I have a top 10. You just have 10. I have 10. You have a top 10. Correct. And uh, before we get into our list, though, you have things you want to share. I I do. One, so I edit the podcast. Yes. And uh, Father Chip knows this about me, but I have a booming voice. He does. And to, if I want to regulate my volume, it takes mental effort. Mm -hmm. This is just something that I'm burdened with. Uh, So for the first recordings, uh, I was regulating my volume. And when I edited them, it sounded to me like I was whispering, and that bothered me. So I'm going to give it a shot. Not just talking just talk. as I talk. So yeah. forgive me if it's obnoxious. We're, <laughs> we're giving this a shot. Well, I think, I think you know, we need to be who we are. Yeah. And, I mean, right now we're two guys with colds, but... Um, I'm so a little froggy. My, I don't my, know if I have a cold. Yeah. Well, my voice, I know, sounds scratchy. So at oh, any rate... I, I disagree. You've got dulcet tones. Dulcet tones of <laughs> Father Chip. He's going to start singing now. Um, so... Uh, you have movie news, though. Let, uh, I do. I've got, I've got a little bit of movie news, which I, right. like to st- I like to start the show off this way. Yeah. Because movie news is great. We it don't have to good. make the whole episode about it. You roll your eyes at this piece of movie news. I'm very excited. Uh, there's news that there is a 2020 release coming from the director, David Fincher. I'm a big fan of David Fincher. I like almost everything he's done. It's except exciting for news. Aliens 3. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was his first movie. Wow. He was a... Music video director before that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and I think he's directed music videos after that. Okay. Like Madonna and Paul Abdul, like stuff that you wouldn't associate him with. He also. Uh, you got to start somewhere, Brian. Well, he also directed like major commercial campaigns for like Reebok. Oh, okay. And, Again, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. These guys don't just come out of a box. Right. And uh, he's talented. So the movie's called Mank. It stars Gary Oldman. Of course. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, Brian's favorite actor. My favorite actor. Not my favorite movie star. There's a difference. There's a difference. Yes. Um, it is about Herman Mankiewicz, who okay. is was the screenwriter for Citizen Kane. It's about his, Battle? I think, trials and tribulations. I think Orson Welles was a tough... Oh, I think you're right. A tough person to yeah. work with. He was very demanding. I know that. Yeah. So um, I'm just, I mean, just the mix of that. And, and, and Herman Mankiewicz... He's got an interesting. Uh, it's a, it's a showbiz family, the Mankiewicz family. His, oh. his his son, I believe it's his son or his nephew, Joseph Mankiewicz, became a very well known um, screenwriter and director in like the forties, fifties, sixties. I think he, he. Who's Oldman playing? Oldman is playing Herman Mankiewicz. Oh, who's playing Orson Welles? Do we know? Uh, not a not a named actor. Oh, okay, that's um, too bad. It, is it? I mean, like... Young Orson Welles? Is, yeah, it's yeah. young Orson Welles. I mean, middle-aged? I don't know how old he was when he made Citizen Kane. I don't know. I you thought know, he was make, young. Because makeup, you know, a young man can be made to look old with makeup. But, you well, know, we sure, Citizen, certainly know that. Citizen Kane takes place over the... Anyways. Yes, go ahead. But, uh, so Joseph Mankiewicz was his son. Ben Mankiewicz. Are you, do you know Ben Mankiewicz? I know that name, yeah. He's, he's the host of... Turner Classic Movies. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's and he does other stuff. He's related, uh, obviously. Yeah, he's a, his he's his grandson. Okay, I like him a lot. Um, 
So, interesting. And then the news that actually, you I think you got wind of this before I did, but just before we recorded, I saw this piece of news uh, that the upcoming 2020 Oscars will oh, yeah. remain hostless. Hostless. Without Which a host. I, I think is, it's fine, but it's also like, really, we can't find anybody to do this. There's no one that will do this. Well, I think it's a tough job. Usually they try to get comedians, and it's, I, it seems... I think Kevin Hart would have done a great job. From, from what I've heard about comedians, from comedians who've done it, or who have had the opportunity to do it and turned it down, it's a really tough job to succeed at. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, people aren't there to laugh. It's not like the Golden Globes were there. Like, hey, this is fun and loose. It's, it's, a, it's a tight room, and people don't have a sense of humor about themselves. Mm. And then they tried the experiment with uh, actors. Remember the year they had James Franco and Anne Hathaway? That's and that right. was a disaster. That was a total nightmare. Yeah, because, I mean, Frank, uh, Franco's got attitude. He didn't seemingly oh, want to do awful. it. It was awful. It was like he didn't want to be there. Yeah. And it's like you, you signed on to it, right? You accepted you didn't this have job to do right. it. No one put a gun to your head, right? And 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 you could have quit, right? If, if you got into the job and found out, oh, this isn't really what I thought. Well, I was he kind of did to. quit. He quit <laughs> halfway through <laughs> he the quit show. Halfway through the show. That's right. <laughs> and so, Hathaway wasn't bad. So I mean, when you by yourself, when you think about Oscar hosts, I mean, I guess you think about Billy Crystal. Hmm. So you can't. I mean, Billy Crystal. He's he's. All right, well, how about somebody, like, who's innocuous that no one can really complain about, like Jay Leno or Seinfeld? Oh, I can complain about Jay Leno. I'm not a Leno fan. I'm not a huge Leno fan either, but he's he's not going to irk Hollywood. That's true. He'd irk me. He'd Um. irk you and he'd irk me, but (laughs) he's not going to— Local boy. I know, I know. And he's on a show that I really like, too. He's on Last Man Standing on— I didn't know that. —on Fox— um, I, I, I don't just, know who who is because I think Billy Crystal stopped doing it because I think he it just was got too much work for him. Too much, yeah. And I mean, he's he's on in years. He's right. not he's not an old, not a kid. Would you say he's an old man at this point? Uh, he's oldish. I don't know how old he is. Yeah, oldish. He's oldish. He's been around for a long time. So who is the because he had because I, I started All right. paying attention to the Oscars Neil and he Patrick was still Harris. the host every year. I think he's done it, and I think he was kind of man. I, so you say Neil Patrick Harris. I don't know who the modern-day Billy Crystal is. Oh, I don't know if we have a modern-day Billy Crystal. Yeah. Billy Crystal was interesting because he could do the jokes and he could do the song and dance routine yeah, and sing. He, he was multifaceted. Right. And also he had this really, I believe in the Jewish term, he was a real mensch. Mm, nice man. And it just kind of yeah. came through. I'm not sure that we have somebody like that right now in, mm. in Hollywood. It's... Uh, I mean, I, I haven't really thought about it either, but it seems to me that they should be able to find a comedian who could, or an actor, who could do this, who could do this task. It's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be a song and dance routine. Mm. You know, you can come out, maybe give a little monologue, and then, boom, go right into the, into the awards. I mean, that's what people want anyway. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe, maybe he's too big of a star. Billy Crystal was a big star when he was doing it, though. Absolutely. Um, maybe some, to, to go back to the Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live well, mm. maybe somebody like Will Ferrell. Oh, yeah. Well, I think Will Ferrell would be great, but he, I'm sure he would irk Hollywood. He would. He's got an edge. He's got an edge, and I think he would irk Hollywood. Yeah. You know, uh, you know who, <laughs> you know, who wouldn't irk Hollywood is someone like 
who I don't really consider all that talented, but he's on Saturday Night Live, uh, Colin Jost. I I haven't. I'm not up on my Saturday Night but, but He does the weekend update with that Michael Che. Okay. And he's dating Scarlett Johansson. Is he? Yeah. Pretty serious. Wow. She was the hostess uh, recently, and yeah, they're uh, they're an item. What about uh, Keenan? Yeah, I mean, he could do it. I like I, he he seems he seems like he's he's a jovial. He's everybody could like him. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think or, or uh, what's that guy? Keys. Oh, Keegan Michael Keys. Yeah, of Key and Peel. Right. He's he's great. He's good. Yeah, and he's. I don't think he's dangerous. You know, he's not going to. He gonna, can be. Yeah, but is he going to really irk Hollywood? No, he's he's likable. He's a likable guy. I don't know. I I think I didn't read the article. The hostless news might be because nobody wants to do it. That's true. We could be looking at it from the wrong side. Is why aren't they getting somebody? Well, mm. why doesn't anybody want to do it? That could be true too. But we're going to move on to the yeah. Let's move. We're going to move on to the to the A list material. <laughs> All right. Of this episode. So. so you yes. have 10 movies. 10 movies of 2019 that I enjoyed very much and I think are good. Not movies. They're not – there's going to be some on the list that you're not – you're going to be like, what? Really? It was, but it, it, it's, it's not – I'm not looking for Citizen Kane here. I'm looking for movies that I liked in 2019. Mm-hmm. These are the movies – and these are the ones I know I saw. Well, and also here's the problem with top. Here's the problem with top ten lists in general. And I like. Listen, I'm excited about the show. I like a good list show. Okay. Uh, I like uh, top ten lists. I like that the uh, the debate that they can bring up. Sure. But 2020 just. I mean, 2019 just finished. 2020 yep. just started. There's stuff I haven't seen that was on my list of stuff, and also the stuff on here. It hasn't had time to sit. I've done top tens before, and then you go back and you look at them two or three years later, and it's like, oh, the movie that I had at number four is I- I've revisited a couple times. The movie I have at number one, I really don't care about anymore. So, I mean, it's that's why I'm not. This is a snapshot. Them. Yeah, but so you've just got ten. I've got a top ten. Okay. Uh, do you want to so go first? I'll or do you start want me to since go first? since I'm structured. You're very structured. Yes. <laughs> I'll start. Okay. Uh, and I'll say this, my numbers 10 through 5, there are issues with all of these movies. Okay, now I have one other question before you give your first movie. Mm-hmm. If you say a movie that I have on my list, am I to, free to jump in and say what I think of it too? Well, since you don't have a structure, sure. Okay, thank you. Um, uh, but I'll say this, about, so 4 through 1, mm-hmm. I have no, like... If if I have any complaints, it would be the smallest nitpick. I okay. really, really enjoyed everything about four through one. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. I can say, uh, you know, this is why it wasn't higher. But anyways, okay. my number ten. Number ten. Is Avengers Endgame. That's on my list. It's on your list. Yeah. It was really enjoyable, and it was really enjoyable in its creativity. They had mm-hmm. a lot to accomplish. They did. And the first it, – it's, it's broken up into almost three separate movies. The mm. first third is like a grief drama. Right. And that is so unique for a superhero movie. It really is. Like they spent a lot of time just like sitting with these characters that we've known for 10 years in the events of the previous Avengers movie. Right. Just like 
you don't see depressed superheroes a lot. I mean, I know no. that sometimes they're like, like with Batman, like oh, he's oh Batman. But I mean, brutal, these yeah. this is this is an this was a human portrayal. Right. These were guys. They depression. were they, they lost their friends. That's yes. why they were and, upset. And yeah. just so, and then the second, third was time heist. It went from being a grief drama to this like, <laughs> wowie. Yeah. Like, and they nailed it. Oh, I agree. They nailed that, and then. Then now, now comes my criticism of it. The third part is the part every Marvel movie has mm. that in past movies I do fall asleep during because I don't find it compelling. But they get to the third act and it's elongated, punchy, punchy. Sure. Yeah. And, and it's it, like, oh, you know, of course a superhero movie needs to end in a fight. Well, there has to be action. Yeah, and there has to be action. And I'm not opposed to action. I just, it doesn't engage me. Like the filmmakers, the storytellers wanted to engage me. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I. I love the characters. I love the plot. I love character development, and story, and when it comes down to, you know, I was. I mean, I think this was a superhero movie that did. It kind of made me sad at the end. Um, oh yeah, and you know because beloved characters are no more, and I. I, I really. I mean that bums me out, and and I wonder. You know, if it was necessary, you know, did Black Widow really have to, did they have to go down that road where she sacrificed herself? Does Tony Stark really have to die? I mean, are, there, are, are all these, are all these things, does Captain America have to go and, I mean, do whatever? Become an old man? Become an old man. Well, right. yes. Well, I, I guess so. I don't know. It, it, I guess if you're ending it, ending it, fine. But now they're doing a Black Widow movie. It's a prequel, yeah. And it's a prequel to all of this. When they should have been doing a Black Widow movie, you know, maybe before they did Endgame. Yeah, they they missed the boat. Um, I mean, you I, got a I think good, there was criticism about You that. got a good character and who could be, you know, a real – you've got a real female-driven story and you're you're killing that character off in the end. I don't know. I'm not saying that that you know what's his name uh the arrow shooting guy should have Hawkeye Hawkeye I'm not saying he should have sacrificed himself I'm just saying did they have to have that whole it was that super intricate to to doing all of this I don't know I mean you already had cap going away you already had stark going away why did they, why was it necessary to kill off Black Widow. Well, That's all. I wonder. There's a bunch of people who treat Marvel movies as the ne- each each movie is the next episode of an ongoing TV show. Right. So, and I and I don't like that. I don't no, like they're that all viewpoint. Connected, I, they're all connected, but I like to think of them individually. To answer your question about Black Widow, why did they have to do that? Well, now they've got this. I don't know what the Black Widow movie that comes out in March. I think. Right. Is that going to recontextualize what happened? It might. Maybe. It might. So so unfortunately, when we're talking about Avengers Endgame and you're talking about that portion of it, okay, I can't tell you whether that was a good decision or a bad decision until I see this other movie, which is, in some ways is annoying. To talk about Iron Man, I do think it had to end for him the way it ended. It, this is also in context. Do you remember the end of The Dark Knight Rises? Yes. I believe that that movie would have been exponentially better if they were definitive that Batman sacrificed himself. Mm. 
because you know it, they, they they leave it vague enough that they it do. can be like, oh, this was Alfred's dream. And if you haven't seen the movie, I know we're talking about stuff you it don't know. It doesn't, you know, those movies are old. Sorry. Yeah, you should. You should. You should have known it but and seen these. The bad taste that was left in my mouth about The Dark Knight Rises was you're ending his arc. End it. Don't give us this ambiguous, oh, he made it. Impossible. If you look at the events of the film, it's like, it right. Can't. So they're ending Tony Stark's arc. I'm totally fine with him getting that moment because there's it, it's arguable about Tony Stark. And we're getting into a deeper conversation about the Marvel Universe that... Yeah, um, perhaps we arg- need to... It's arguable about Tony Stark that he has been the consistent, I won't say villain, but anti-hero of the story. No. Think no. about it. Tony Stark has created all of his own villains and... When, when did he create Thanos? Thanos. No, he created... Uh, he, cre- he created... That robot thing. Yeah, it was. he was partially responsible for Jeff Bridges' character in the first one. I they, suppose, his, but the, he was tied to Mickey Rourke's character. Yes, um, he created Ultron. You're right. In in Civil War, he created the uh, apparatus that kind of. And he's he's constantly throughout these movies seeming to be chasing. But he's always the trying to do the. To he's trying problem. to he do the right thing. So and he did the ultimate right thing at the end. I think, and also it's a superhero movie. If he decides he wants to get back on the back on the train, they introduced time travel in this movie. True enough. If he decides he wants to come back, they'll find a way. All right. But Fine. they've also got a bunch of new characters. Anyways. All right. Moving on. Move on. To number nine. And I'm pretty sure you haven't seen this movie, but my number nine movie of the year was called Under the Silver Lake. No, did not see that. It stars uh, Andrew Garfield. Oh, sure. And... Uh, the former super, uh, former, former Spider-Man. Super, yes. I like detective stories, like sure. Raymond Chandler stories. So this movie, it's set, it's set in Silver Lake, Los Angeles. Okay. It's unique in that it's, it's, it's a detective story. This guy isn't a detective. He's kind of a slacker. Okay. He's obsessed with conspiracy theories. It's modern day? It's modern day. Okay. And there's one of the great things about Raymond Chandler novels is the character. So Philip Marlowe, I believe, is always his yep, he's detective. Yeah, detective, yep. If you look at those stories, they're never about the case. And the defining characteristic of Philip Marlowe in these characters are they don't say no to anybody. So what that allows the character to do is in the setting, they bounce around. They interact with people and they're you know, chasing down this first case. And then they interact with people. And it's like, well, there's this other thing going on. And then they bounce. And it's just the story branches off. Okay, but what's this movie about? This movie is about, so he's a slacker. Okay. He meets his neighbor, this girl. He falls in love with her very quickly. Okay. It's not necessarily reciprocated. They hang out. And then she disappears. Oh, boy. And he's trying to find her. And there is, like, when they leave, like, it's overnight. Her and her roommates, they're... And they just go on vacation? Their apartment's gone. No, oh. everything, everything's gone. And there's a strange symbol painted oh. on the wall. So he starts like, okay, well, and he starts just kind of following these threads, and he goes throughout the city, and, and very quickly, the start of the movie becomes, like, it's not the point. The point is about the journey. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. It sounds weird. It is weird, but I really, really enjoyed it. Under the Silver, silver Under Lake? Under the Silver Lake. I'll check it out. Uh, it, like, there's, at one point, there's this whole thing where he's, like, mixing symbols he finds 
on the back on like a like a maze puzzle, like a maze on the back of a uh, cereal box uh-huh. with a Zelda map, and he's like, "Oh, I can find what I okay. Th- this is th- these are clues left behind." This sounds like a weird movie. It is dude. weird. I really enjoyed it. Under oh. the Silver Lake. All right. Now, it's I'm... on Amazon Prime. Okay. You can watch it. If you have Amazon Prime, you I can watch Amazon it. I have Amazon Prime. Check it out. All right. If you don't like it, turn it off after 10 minutes. Okay. Well, no, fair enough. Now, I'm going to throw one out because since I didn't have that one on my list and you knew I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not why I put it on my list. Um, I know. I know. I, I had one that I really, really enjoyed, and I don't know if you'll have it on your on your list or not, but uh, Brittany Runs a Marathon. I haven't seen it. Excellent. It's, it's a story about transformation and uh, getting to know yourself and becoming a better person. It starts off sort of like one of those, uh, you know, Judd Apatow movies where, you know, there's some joking around. And Is it a Judd Apatow movie? I, mean, I don't know. Okay. I don't remember. Anyway, um, and the woman who plays Brittany, over the course of the movie, she um, she lost the weight that she needed to lose. She was a heavy set lady, and she wanted to lose weight, and she really lost the weight in the course yes. of filming the movie, and then to running the marathon, and it was the New York City Marathon. And I, I, I really substandard marathon. Oh, stub- yeah, I mean, it's come on. not the best. It's not world class. I mean, we're we Boston marathons world class, but um, they were. <laughs> it was set in New York, so said two guys who could never run a marathon. Exactly, never ever, even before surgeries. Um, so I just like the idea of a character um, who who goes from sort of like a party girl, slacker lifestyle. No real kind of full-time job, kind of like a part-time job that she's always late for, and who kind of turns her life around by befriending sort of these running people who she thought were jerks, and but turns out they, they aren't. And they become her real friends. Her, the people she thought were her friends were not really her friends. And these running people become her real friends. And it's it's this this long story arc of her training, um, getting better, getting fitter, um, having a better self-esteem. And, but along the way, there's little vignettes of comedy that go along with it. And there's some drama involved. It's, it's a really good movie. Well done, well acted, and, you know, not real name people in it. Um, and I just, I just really enjoyed it. I, I, I think it's an enjoyable Netflix movie, you know, kind of thing for people that mm-hmm. you know on a Saturday night could watch. And I, but I really enjoyed it because I really enjoyed the story. What is her motivation for starting to decide I'm going to get myself ready for? Well, uh, she's she's overweight and she knows it. And her doctor tells her she needs to lose weight because she's obese, and she gets upset. At being called obese, yeah, and so that's sort of the motivation mm-hmm. as to, you know, and 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 she needs to lose the weight because she, you know, he's worried about her heart and her liver and and all this other stuff. Plus, she's drinking all the time, you know. She's a mess. Yeah, okay. When the movie starts, she's an absolute mess. Okay. 
Well, the reason I ask is there there is another marathon movie came out a long time ago. I don't know if you talked about it on Spotlight, but it was called Run Fat Boy Run, starring Simon Pegg. No, we didn't want, we didn't do that one. And but uh, I remember hearing about also, it. Also, the good movie. Yeah. Um but it sounds what makes this one different from that is that the motivation is internal. Where in Run Fat Boy Run, Simon Pegg, although he's a mess, his motivation is I'm going to do this, and I'm going to win back my ex-girlfriend. Ah, okay. Yeah, this is nothing to do with that. Yeah. yeah. She, along the way, she finds love. But right, but that's not the motivation. That's not the motivation. Yeah, you make it sound interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. I mean, at first, I mean, I'll be honest with you, that when I see a movie like Britney Runs a Marathon, I'm like, yeah, all right. Well, and then I was bored one night, and I said, well, I'll give it a shot. Mm. And I really liked it. Yeah, that's always that's always a treat. Exactly. Yeah. My number eight. Yes. I'm sure this isn't on your list because we talked about it. <laughs> uh, Us. Yeah, I never saw that. So it's the Jordan Peele horror film with... Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I... I'm not a big I, horror film guy. I have trouble with the pronunciation of this actress's name. I get the first name fine, but the second right. name, Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if it's Nyong'o or Nyong'o. She's good, though. She's oh she's great she uh, did she she won she won best supporting actress for twelve right. years of slave. In this movie, she gives two performances. Wow, and they're both really good. Uh, I hope she gets an Oscar nomination as best actress. She deserves it. It's so hard to describe, and that's one of my criticisms about it because the the premise does not match the execution. Okay, right. The movie's so well done and it's so engaging, but then when you find out. When it gets to the end and everything is explained, it's kind of like, oh well, no, that you know. And but there's also social symbolism going on that I don't necessarily connect with. Anyways, so the premise is strange of this movie. Everybody has a they don't spell it out specifically, but a government created doppelganger, and okay. they are kept in subterranean tunnels, not caves. They look like schools or dorms and they're Alrighty. and they're they're like attached to like I don't know how they do it, but they're they're like tethered in some way to right. the surface, the the real, the original, right? So anyways, they revolt and then they come to the surface and they're going after their doppelgangers. Their doppelgangers. Now these people have not been socialized, they can't speak, it's very creepy. And they're all just like, what is the point of this movie? I don't know what the point is, but I liked it. I don't know what the point is. I I, I very much enjoyed it because of Lupita Nyong'o's, her performance makes the movie. Again, this is my criticism of it. Like, the execution of everything is just so good. The reveal is kind of like, I don't, I don't, I still don't understand it. I've seen it twice. I saw it, came, I saw it when it came out in the Why? theater in March. And then I, it came on HBO why last you, month. Why do you like this movie? Because uh, it sounds again, terrible. It's you should watch it. You should give it a shot. Oh, I should watch uh, this it's, terrible movie. It's, it's well, it's not terrible. It's, okay. it's my number eight movie of the year. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm shocked. It's funny. It's got some good comedy parts in it. It's tense. But uh, we'll we'll move on. All what's right. your what's what do you want to? I'm going to throw one out, and maybe you've seen this. Maybe you didn't. I don't know. It's not. It doesn't strike me as your kind of movie. Um, but you might have seen it. It it was on. Uh, I think it's on. It's streaming. I'm not sure it ever hit the theater, but it's um, 
Marriage Story. No, I didn't see that. I really liked it. Yeah, I it really, looks, really liked a, it. As a married man, it looks grim. It's a little grim because it's a story of a divorce, really. Yes. Not really the story of a marriage. Right. So you you have uh, an actress that I really like in Scarlett Johansson and an actor I really, until this movie, hated in um, Adam, Driver. Adam Driver. You hated that? I'm, I'm not an Adam Driver fan, but I don't hate him. I, I just didn't like him. I didn't like him in Star Wars, and it really soured me on the guy. Okay? I don't think Adam Driver is a leading man. I, that's, that's the problem I have with him. I don't, I don't think he – well, let me continue. Okay, sorry. In this movie, he is the leading man. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's married, which some people think he's handsome. I think he's ghoulish. He's weird looking for a dude. He's which a weird is, looking which, dude. Which is fine. One right. of our one of our best right. character actors, Steve Buscemi. I don't I can't. Okay. But picture Adam Driver married to Scarlett Johansson, one of the most sense. beautiful women in the world. Yeah. Okay. So um it's the story of the collapse of this marriage and their eventual divorce. And along the way, it's just well acted. He got to act yeah. in this movie. And he's an actor. He's not a mm. movie star. He's an actor. And I was really impressed with the range and with his expressiveness. Mm. Um, I was surprised by it all because mm. I had Kylo Ren in my head and I hated Kylo Ren. And so I was, I was pleasantly pleased. And, and it was hard for me sometimes to watch Scarlett Johansson because I think in some parts of the movie, she kind of came off as um, the bad guy, so, so to speak, of the marriage. And sometimes he did. So it was realistic in that way. Yeah. I, I, that's what I've heard is in that it, it doesn't choose sides and it does at different times portray both – I mean, which I imagine – Luckily, I haven't gone through this or haven't had uh, no, I haven't my either. family go through this. I haven't either. But I, I, I think when most couples end in divorce, in some form or fashion, I mean, except on like the real ends of the spectrum, there's plenty of blame to go around. And nobody's really right. all right. Nobody's really all wrong. Right. And I think that's really shown in this. And, and that's why I really liked it. Okay. And... Uh, Laura Dern was in it, and she's great. She is, and she plays Scarlett Johansson's lawyer. And see, initially they were going to be kind of amicable about the whole thing, but then she's an actress. She plays an actress in the movie who gets a, and he's a a, a, a director, but he's a director of plays, mm-hmm. and he get he's uh, you know in New York directing plays, and he had a shot to be on Broadway, and that kind of got messed up because of all this divorce stuff. But anyway, he – so he – that's kind of how they met. And so she moves to Los Angeles to do a TV pilot, and he thinks she's coming back. She takes their kid, but she's not coming back. Oh. Yeah. It's, it was it, – so he had to kind of become bicoastal, and it was mm. this whole thing. And so – I mean, it's heart wrenching, and the kid, the guy, the, the 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 young actor who plays the the son in this, is really good at, and he portrays like the confusion and the and the hurt and the 
I just want to stay here. I don't want to be going back and forth kind of. You just want mom and dad to be together. What was wrong with that? Right. And so uh, excellent work. um, It's Noah Baumbach, I believe, is the writer-director. Exactly. It it is. And he it it was just it was excellent story. It was well directed, well put together. I just really enjoyed it. Um, And I I, yeah, I felt kind of I felt kind of sad at the end. But I also kind of felt a little better because they started to figure it out. Okay. So it was post-divorce. Post-divorce, they started to figure it out. Isn't it interesting that how they were gonna work this all thing out? Yeah. That sometimes that it's almost like it. it, It's very much like the healing of a wound. Yeah. That sometimes the wound has to happen, but as soon as it happens, yeah, we can start. When you've got some sort of like depression or anxiety or something that's something. The people who keep it inside, the people who don't allow it, don't allow it out, can never start the process of getting better. Right. It's always sad, and, and especially th- when there's kids. See that that there's there's some things that really oh they affect me, and like one of them is like drug movies. I I don't really care for drug movies mm. because it's just uh it 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 makes my skin crawl as yeah, it should. Yeah, yeah. An effective. And that's one. the point of it. Right. And um, well, not all of them. Some of them glorify but most of the good ones really portray that but stories about divorce like and especially when the kids involved does that bother you because you're a father it bothers me because i'm a father it bothers me because i'm a husband and and here's one of the things um and and i didn't see marriage story but in some divorce movies i've seen or tv shows yes the way the, the what they depict is not my experience i you know i i have a Good marriage with my wife. I love my wife. They depict these things that you should be mindful of in that the smallest thing, if left to fester, mm-hmm. could ruin it. And that's scary to me. Because we can't be we, – we, none of us can be on top of every aspect of our, of our relationships, even especially our closest relationships. And you, it, know, you try your best, but the harder right. you try, maybe sometimes the more you fail. Absolutely, and I and it was interesting. Um, there's some good actors in this. Um, there's uh, Wallace Shawn. Oh, he's very good. He's very funny. Um, Julie Haggerty, um, Robert Smigel. I've seen her in a movie in a long time. I oh, know. Smigel's great. Yeah, he's in it. He's a legend. He is. And uh, th- I'm trying to find who the actor was that played his lawyer because he he's famous. And it was really oh, it was Ray Liotta. Who okay. Plays Adam Driver's lawyer. Excellent. Okay. He's so smart. So there's some comic relief. Yeah, there's comic relief throughout the whole thing. Okay. Um, so I, anyway, I recommend it. It's it's hard to watch in some points, and because you, the emotions mm-hmm. it'll bring out, especially mm-hmm. if you're married. But like I, I had emotions because I was like, well, first of all, my you know I've had divorce in my immediate family mm-hmm. in my of, of my siblings, but I I've never had divorce in my. Um, I'm, you know, my, my parents are not divorced. So you've, but you can feel it like you feel it. You know what I mean? It's like, mm. oh my God, what if this had happened to me? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's exactly what makes yeah. me uncomfortable. See, but I can watch that. I, I would have a harder time watching, you know, killer clones. <laughs> well, you should Just give it a saying. shot. So great segue. I'm going to uh, go to something that I, I know you have on your list. Okay. 
And that's uh, my number seven movie of 2019 is Joker. Absolutely on my list. Now, we did a whole episode. It just came out. So we don't need to talk about it too much. But I want to talk about why it's seven. Yeah, I'd like to know why you have it at seven. um, It would be higher. If I was going to have a hierarchy of these things, it would be higher. Yes. Uh, Mine is seven. There's the stuff that came. It might be a little bit of recency bias. There's some newer stuff. Yeah, sure. It just stuck with me a little bit more. Um, then that and that's and that's one of the things I I really thought after I saw it and we talked about it that it was going to stick with me more so, and and, and 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 it still might again like time will time will kind of he's going to win the Oscar for best actor I think he's going to be nominated I don't know that he's going to win he's gonna I think win. he's I think he's a front runner but definitely. Yeah, Absolutely. there's there's stuff there's stuff that uh, there's stuff that I just liked better. I liked it, but there's stuff that I just liked better. Adam Driver could get nominated. Yeah, that's He's what I mean. Really Marriage good. Story is getting a lot of buzz for Best he Picture is, and stuff. So. He is so good in it. Like, I blew my mind. Good, mm-hmm. but I love Joker. I I really I thought um, Joaquin Phoenix was excellent, and uh, <clears throat> you know he's a real. He's kind of one of those actors where I feel like. When I see him in the movie, I know he's going to give it his all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to commit to the to the scenes. He's going to commit to the character. He's perhaps gonna, to his detriment. Perhaps. And when I see him in real life, I think, that guy's a tool. <laughs> but because I think, I don't think he, I think he's like really boring in real life. Like I think he's, he's not... He's got a weird, boring personality. I wonder about him as a person. Like, I don't know. I don't know if you know his backstory. I didn't know this until recently, but he was at the scene of his brother's death. Okay. Or, I mean, I, I don't know if River Phoenix died at the hospital or if he died on the sidewalk. Sure. I mean, yeah, but, but he he okay. was he was there, and he was a, he was a young boy, and he was there, and um, I wonder if. The things that you're talking about, because I've always detected that he has a very uncomfortable relationship with celebrity. Oh, probably. And yeah. I and and I wonder if that stemmed from that experience. Maybe. And, and, I mean, I'm sure it messed him up. Yeah. Um. You know, but I think lots of people have gone through lots of things sure. and sure. didn't come out like him. True. And. So, you know, and I, I have sympathy. River Phoenix was a great actor and could have been one of the wor- world's greatest actors he, if he, he had could, lived. He could still be, he could still be a very relevant, um, re- relevant actor. And, and what the sad part about, from what I've come to know is, apparently he, he died of a drug overdose. He of, did. I don't know exactly what, but some sort of designer drug. I don't know if it was dosed with something more lethal than he thought he was taking, but he Could've was, been. but he wasn't a drug addict. Right. Like it was one of these like freak things like, yep. oh, I tried it and it killed, killed me. Yep. And that happens. And that happens. It does and, happen. And, I mean, it, that's one of the reasons why you shouldn't dabble. <laughs> exactly. But I do think there is a difference. I mean, I, you have different sympathies for people who have struggled with addiction Yep, and then and that and that's sad. That's super sad. It's a different kind of sadness for like, oh, this person made one mistake. They made one bad decision. They didn't comprehend 
the substance they were playing right. around with and didn't have an opportunity to correct their mistake. Right. You know, that's a different kind of so. No, it, it is. And it, and it was – I was – shocked and saddened by the whole thing when it happened and i yeah, i just you, you were you were you were aware yeah i was an adult i think yeah and so I, i've been an adult too long um but well i remember i remember river phoenix and i've re i've i've retouched base with um stand by me oh he's oh my god unbelievable in that he's he's the only one in that movie of the four main the child actors who's like this is an actor. Right. And all of them are good. You yeah, know, yeah. Corey Feldman's good. Jerry O'Connell's good. Uh, Will Wheaton's good. Will Wheaton's good. Yeah. He just, oh, he just had something else. And then I remember him. He's, He's very memorable in his brief in Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Yes. He's in the first 10 minutes as young Indiana Jones. And then right. he's gone. It's Harrison Ford after that. Yep. But when I think of Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, the image, like one of the first images that comes up is... Him as young Indiana Jones. Think if he had lived, yeah. and he could have how he could have taken that franchise over. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it would have been awesome. He's yeah. he's a great loss. Yeah. Um. So is it my turn? No, because we just talked about Joker. We both had that. I'll move on. Oh, okay. Didn't uh, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Uncut Gems. No, I want to see it. Okay, Uncut it looks good. Here's the thing about Uncut Gems. It is. An anxiety inducer from the first minute to the last minute. My okay. blood pressure was up the whole time. It's very interesting the way they do it. So it's set, the movie's set in, I don't know if the New York Diamond District is entirely um, Jewish diamond dealers. Yeah. But that's, that segment okay. is kind of where the whole thing is set. And uh, Adam Sandler plays a... A diamond, a jewelry diamond dealer, uh, okay. designer. He's getting a lot of buzz, too. He is. He's so good. Um, so he is also a degenerative gambling addict. <laughs> okay. So he, so the story revolves around Kevin Garnett. This is, this is Kevin Garnett playing himself, the basketball player. Really? Kevin Garnett, he plays himself. Wow. It's during the... I don't know what year, but there was a Is he year on the that, Celtics? He's, it's when he was on the Celtics. So, 08? No. They had already won. Oh, okay. It was, what so was the, the other year? What was the other year? And it might have been 11. Was he still on the team in 11? I think so. It might have been around there. And so... Well, this is interesting. So, Adam Sandler's character becomes well-known for making jewelry for athletes and rappers. Oh, okay. He's got people who know him, and they have connections with these. And when people come to New York, and they've got, you know, they're celebrities. They've got, they got money, money. They want... They want... Bling. They want bling. Right. I was going to say garish, but it's not necessarily garish. Not everything is... No. Some of it is. He's they got, want, like... They want bling. He's got, like, jewel-encrusted Furbies. Yeah, so that's garish, but... That is. There's other stuff. And so... um Kevin Garnett gets brought to him, and at the same time, the movie starts. You you think that you're in the wrong theater. The movie starts in <laughs> the movie starts in Ethiopia. No way. The movie starts in Ethiopia in the mines in oh, Ethiopia. Diamond mines. Well, no, it's not diamond. It's this. It's this African. The the term uncut gems. There's a a, a mine collapse and people die, and these two miners sneak down into the mine because they saw something. I see. And they 
cut it out, and it's this, I, I, it's some sort of opal. Okay. And it's in the rock. And Adam Sandler buys it for a lot of money. He thinks he can get like over a million dollars from it for an, for an auction. And it arrives. It's snuck to him. They hide it. They, there's a sh- they ship it to him inside a full fish. Oh. Like you're getting a, a fish delivery that you're yeah. going like, to, to a restaurant. I see. And he pulls out this bag, and there's this big rock with these. And, it's, and they go through it, and it's like they show kind of the beauty of it. But he's very like, he's very, like, KG, you got to see this. And he shows it to him. And Garnett's like, oh, that's beautiful. That's, can, can, I, can I just take it? They're in the playoffs. I think they're playing the Sixers, whatever. And uh, I think it was the year they went. And, and, he take, and he's like, sure, sure, but give me, the, give me the championship ring as collateral. And Kat Garnett has one of the best games of his life. And then it becomes, for the rest of the movie, he's trying to get, he's trying to get it back from Garnett. from Garnett. But he's taken his championship ring and he's pawned it. Oh, no. And then he's gambled that money on Kevin Garnett. Oh, and he's man. won big. Okay. So that's the general. So the it's it it goes this from is, there. This sounds very nerve wracking. It's very nerve wracking, and here's the thing that makes it even worse, or uh, its effect on you, is a brilliant uh, filmmaking tool. It's the sound design. The sound design is notable, which okay. you can't say about a lot of movies. So everybody in the movie, I don't know. I, I'm assuming it's a depiction of this culture in this business in this world everybody when they talk to each other they're always shouting like nobody talks to each other if they're not shouting and there's always a lot of people around because it's New York City it's just people everywhere so there's always din sure and then nobody seems to be listening to each other so there's this like the conversation doesn't really connect Okay. and all of that is mixed at a high volume it's right. very loud. And then they've got music, like score, and that's mixed at the same volume as the dialogue. So you're working, like, you're, you're doing work. Can you work. hear the actors? Yes, you can. Okay. You can hear everything, but it's just loud. And it's, and it's, and, and it's, work to, it's work to keep uh, to keep everything straight. When is this coming out on it's already, streaming? I don't know. Uh, it's going to be. In the th- it's in the theater right now. Yeah, but it's going to be on one of the streaming platforms. That's the deal. Sure. I think it's like Netflix or something. Sure. Like that. Or yeah, it could be. Or it could, yeah, it, yeah, it might be. Doesn't he have a deal with Netflix? Now, Sandler? Sandler does, but I don't know if this falls under that deal. I think but, it does. Um, just the whole time, again, just like I really enjoyed it, but I was. I mean, and it's long. It's over two hours, and okay. I was just gripping my seat. And Sandler, Sandler's great. I have a weird say Adam Sandler I believe is kind of in a a very like perfect example of how quickly pop culture time passes because Adam Sandler became a movie star at the perfect time for me he made Happy Gilmore he made Billy Madison he made his early comedies at a time where I was of the perfect it's like you're 11 to 18 year old male right and then as soon as I was out of that demographic the movies he was making I was just like this is dumb 
Sure. This isn't funny anymore. He became, he went from being very funny to not funny to me almost overnight. And I think, I think his, so, so I have a weird relationship with him in that I feel like he lost it. But when he does drama, which he doesn't do much, he's very careful about the dramas he picks. Oh, yeah. He nails it. Well, so in said, some ways, I w- I'd love to say, Adam Sandler, do more drama. But if he starts doing drama, if he starts saying, okay, I'm good at this, I'm going to do this, he might start making bad decisions. That's true. I mean, I think he's, you know, he, he had kind of a comeback with some, with, uh, you know, a couple of, what was the, uh, not old school, but um, uh, the one where he's, He's a dad and the kids and I mean, I, I don't know what the name is. They made two of them with uh, <laughs> no. Adam Sandler yeah. and uh, you know David Spade and Grown Ups. Grown Ups. That's they it. shot grown- it around my around yes. my neck of the woods. So yeah, I got Grown Ups one and two, and those were kind of minor hits for him. And I think the first Grown Ups was probably the a bigger hit. Um, and he's had some. He's got this huge deal with Netflix, and they did, say he's the most popular thing on Netflix. I have a hard. He time made a that. movie with Jennifer Aniston that was only on Netflix, and uh, I liked it. It was very good. Although it's hard to imagine Adam Sandler married to Jennifer Aniston if you're just taking them objectively. But anyway, can we move on off yeah, of this? He, he, I will say this for him, and I'm going to give his next comedy, his next, net, his next Netflix comedy is going to get a shot for me because. It was shot, part of it was shot in my neighborhood. Okay. The neighborhood I grew up What's in. What's the name of that? I don't know. Alrighty. I don't know what it's called. He, it's, it's a Halloween comedy. It's set in Salem, Massachusetts. All right. But they shot it in Salem, Marblehead, and Danvers. All right. Sounds and there good. were neighborhoods where I grew up when, and I had friends when I was growing up, and they transformed. This was shot in like September through November, and they transformed neighborhoods. No, no, no. It wasn't. It was... It was June through September. All right. That's right, because it was before Halloween. Um, and they transformed in the summer. They transformed neighborhoods into being. But anyways, it may not be good. But the fact that it, it, I'm susceptible to being, it's not just shot in the area. It was shot on my block. Right. So. Okay. All right, we can move on. That'd be good. <laughs> um you know, I don't want this. I don't want this to be a three-hour podcast. Yeah, we're getting up to the fifty-five so, mark. So, um, once upon a time in Hollywood. That's my number five. That would have been my next one, anyways. There you go. Once upon a time. In Hollywood. I love this movie. Uh, I'm a Tarantino guy for the most part. Sure. There's a few things you didn't like. Hateful Eight. I I I'm not a fan of the Django's and Hateful Eights, and I, I for some reason or another those didn't jibe with me. But I love this. Mm. Um, I thought Brad Pitt and uh, Leonardo DiCaprio were fantastic in this. And, uh, you know, I love the um, the homage to Hollywood, old Hollywood. And uh, I know some people get sick of that um, because I, they say he does it all the time. Um, Not like this. No, no, I agree. The, the Charlie Manson part of this story is really... I mean, till the end is really not not a big part of the no, story, I, and that's my one critic. That's why it's only on five for me. I would have liked to have seen more of that. Really? At first, I was so. This is another movie like Inglorious Bastards, where he changes history. When I was in the theater, 
that, changes history how? Well, in that the family doesn't Sharon Tate survives. Everybody at the at Cielo Drive survives except for in the in in the um Tex Watson and and Well the, that that particular They changed history. Well, there. Wait a minute, it was just that particular night. Well, it's not just that particular night because I thought it was. Well, cuz Manson, well Manson There were two, they were there was the Tate murders and then a few days later there was the murder of the LaBiancas. Right. So the LaBiancas survived. All right. I, I, I've, I've read about this. Um, I forget. There was a specific motivation to go back out and do it again. It was like they, they were all drugged out. And right. They, their right, their right. brains weren't working properly, obviously. Um, but it was like, oh, we got to go do it again so that we can confuse. The, like it'll, it'll be like we'll throw them off our scent if we right. do it again. Right. Like I don't mean I I don't mean to laugh about that, but it's just so it's just so dumb, right? That it's almost funny. See, I was left, and I'm, I'm apparently mistaken. I was left with the impression that this was like the night before Sharon Tate was no, killed. No, no, it was it was it, instead of at the end of the movie, instead of going up that driveway. Right, he yeah. depicts them going to Rick Dalton's house. Right. In real life, they went up and they massacred everybody at uh, Roman Polanski and Sharon right. Tate's home. Okay. So t- history was changed. At first, I I was so shocked, and it was so that the violence at the end of that movie is shot for comedy. Oh. It's shot for comedy. It's still violent. It's very violent. Yeah, it's not uh, a not for the squeamish. I've watched it a couple times since, and it doesn't bother me as much because it's just like okay. The flamethrower scene doesn't the, bother you. No, no, no. I'm talking about the changing of history. Oh, oh, okay. Um, because and and here's why. I don't really want to see a depiction of what really happened. Yeah, I, I don't either. It was so bad and so gruesome that. I don't, and I think Tarantino made a wise decision of, okay, I'm going to take this, I'm going to make it something else because I, I, I picture him typing out the scenes and the things that happened at that house that night, right? And realizing like I don't even, I even for him, I can picture him saying I don't even want to shoot this, right? It was bad, but the movie was great. Yeah, I loved the movie. I, I, I enjoyed it very the much. Scene, the scene with Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate going to see her own movie, right? I, for me, that was – you might be surprised. For me, that was the scene of the movie. Interesting. That was so – it was such a beautiful depiction of somebody like – Enjoying she, herself? Well, she was – and also like I wonder I wonder if Quentin Tarantino has done this. I wonder if he's just kind of walked into a random screening. Maybe. Maybe years after a movie has come out and has just like anonymously sat in the theater and listened to people react and just kind of had that – Almost unselfish, like for that scene with her, it was almost unselfish. She was just kind of like, "Oh, like I didn't realize that I'm making people happy." Yeah, like this is oh, I I didn't know that you know. And apparently, by all by all accounts, the movie she went and saw is terrible. Okay, uh, the one with Dean Martin. Right, I've heard it's terrible. I I don't think she made a lot of good movies. Was my, no, but but she she was cut down before she had a chance. Exactly, it was. I think she might have very made sad, good movies, but she didn't get the chance. Right, 
I think, uh, you know, the whole thing with Rick Dalton and uh, and Brad Pitt's character, Cliff with, Booth, Cliff, and the the scene with uh, with Bruce Lee. Yes, love that. Do you know that's why it got banned from being shown in China? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, the Chinese wanted. They they wanted the movie, but they wanted him to edit out the Bruce Lee scene, uh, and he didn't. Well, he said, "Well, then you then you, you can't have my movie." movie. Okay, good, good for him. Good for him. I I enjoyed it. I thought it was I thought it was great, yeah. and I thought, you know, interesting take on Bruce Lee. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, a lot of Bruce Lee fans won't like it, um, but you know, I, I enjoyed it for its comedy value. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I and I think there was just, it was just I used to watch some of those old shows on TV when I was a kid and just to like see someone like like Rick Dalton who is clearly on the downside of a career that was not all that great anyway um and just you know going on shows like Mannix and you know this and that it was just it was funny it, well, to it, see it was a reality that a lot of us uh of a, of a certain generation uh, really don't understand the same way. Right. Yeah. But I'll move on to number four. F- I'll move on to number four. All right. My number four for the year was Little Women. Oh, come on. No. When I, when I like Greta Gerwig, you should see it, Father Chip. It is... Uh, it's, I mean, I like the original story. I read the book when I was a kid, but... Well, it's not, it's not a direct adaptation. She does... She gives. Not. She gives... The characters more okay um, without uh, like for so for example I've never read I've never, a classic well I've never read the book but from what I understand what's the youngest sister's name Beth yeah I think it's Beth in in the book and in the adaptations Beth her purpose is to die right in this adaptation they flesh her out a little bit more okay and when she dies i was it, i was devastated it was i'm not going to say much it's a classic people know the story it's a classic i will say this adaptation is it's got life it's got energy all right it's got tremendous performances from everybody it's just it's so been done you know give it a shot it all right give it a shot it's different it's different than what you've seen fine all right all right. What do you want to talk about next? Knives Out. Knives Out is on my list. Good. What number is it? It's number two. Number two. It's number two. List. Well, I enjoyed so Knives Out. I've got something out. in between that and this. I enjoyed Knives Out a lot. I thought Daniel Craig was excellent. I thought the other actors. It was all. It was just well everybody acted. was perfect. It was perfectly cast. It was. It was great. And seeing the scenes filmed around here <laughs> and around. You know, uh, in uh, near Sharon and all these other places, I, I it was just, you know, that Borderlands Park. It was really fun to watch. Yeah, and you know, and some of the scenes were shot in the same town we're sitting in right now. Yeah. and so I enjoyed that. And I was like, I know that place. I know that. Place. I I recognize that. Place. So it was. I love movies like that. Yeah. The plot of this movie, um, was really good. Yeah. You know, and I thought. You know, the, and it's fun. It is fun, and you know the who the killer is right away, basically. That's and that's what I found to be interesting. And when Ryan Johnson makes movies, yeah, he, he doesn't. I think we talked about this on our first episode. He doesn't necessarily turn a genre on its head, 
but he knows what makes it tick and he plays with the convention. Right. And I think one of the conventions that he plays with in this is you know the truth early. Early. Right. As opposed to the truth doesn't isn't revealed to the end. But you know the truth early and that makes it so different. Not right. the not the whole truth. There is no. revelation at there the end. There are revelations at the end. Yeah. So that was that's why I really enjoyed it. And I I do like Ryan Johnson, except when he does Star Wars. Yeah. Uh yeah, so, you should see if if I really enjoyed that movie. For you five the chip out. and everybody listening, if you want to get into a director and watch their filmography, Ryan Johnson is a guy very accessible to do. He's only made five movies now, four that are uh four that are non Star Wars. Right. Um so stay away from the Star Wars one. You'll be fine. Yeah, I'm 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 fine with saying that. Uh, because I don't care yeah, about Star a, Wars. Not a Star Wars guy, right. Uh, but but uh, his movies, Brick, The Brothers Bloom, Looper, and Knives Out. Like, Excellent. You can very quickly become an expert on Ryan Johnson films, and what, they're all very good. What was your number three? My number three was The Irishman. Okay. Now, I haven't seen that yet. I want to see it. Well, the pro- so the problem with The Irishman is... It's three is hours it's, long. It's, it's three and a half hours. Right. Long. It's a long movie. It is long. Um, I just haven't had a chance to sit down for three and a half hours and yeah, watch a movie. Yeah. I mean, I, everybody raves about it. I, bro- I, I inadvertently, I meant, I meant to watch it in one sitting. I ended up watching it in two sittings. I fell asleep. That's uh, not, not exactly not, a... Uh, not, the, not the movie's fault. I started uh, it too late. Okay. Yeah. It was a... It was a, not a ringing endorsement. No, but... No, I, I will give a ringing endorsement to the Irishman. It is, um, it's it's in the pantheon of Martin Scorsese movies. Yes, it is a minus tier Martin Scorsese. Okay, right, that's great. If you want to, if if for me, if I wanted to say what what is a plus, a plus Scorsese is Goodfellas and Taxi Driver. Okay, right. So, I mean, however you want to measure it. It's not far off from that. Those are still better. Yep. Um, but it's it's really good. And it, and it is long, but it, it deals in stuff that I really enjoy. I've read about. You know I'm a I'm a Kennedy yes. assassination. Yes, yes. And like that's that type of stuff. So it's Jimmy Hoffa's involved and they don't go into that, but it swirls around the story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's present, but it's not right. the point. And then everything about Jimmy Hoff is interesting, but it's also it's also a real interesting contemplation about um, loyalty, mm-hmm. betrayal, sure, faith, um, you know, and and you know, there's there's a scene at the end where you know it's not like most of the gangster movies. Uh, this character, this this real person that De Niro plays makes it to old age and he's in a Catholic old folks home and he's, you know, he knows he's close to the end and he's, and he's trying to figure out like, you know, what did everything that I did, is it worth it? Mm. You know, and he's, Interesting. He, he, he's, he's given confession and oh. like not all can, not, he's not confessing everything he did, hmm. but he's trying to like, he's like, I've, I've done so many bad things. Is there any possibility of, Somehow making it right. I think you should watch it. I think no, I'm going to watch it. You should gird yourself. Yeah. For and, and and maybe even 
break it in like okay i'm gonna, I'm gonna watch, have to I'm break gonna watch it up. an hour and 45 minutes i'm gonna watch an hour and 45 minutes. i'm gonna have to break it up yeah um but it's netflix so it's if you're paying for netflix you already get it no i i got it i got it no definitely it's, and it's and it's going to get a best picture nomination absolutely it's on my list of things to see and i really want to see it i just haven't had the time it's, to it's, see it's it. a tough one it's a I mean, long it's a, it's a, hard it's a long ask. chunk of time that's all um so, so we're da- we're down to we're down what's to your number you've one. You've got two movies left. Well, I have a lot of stuff on here. I mean, all right. Well, so I'll, go to my, I'll go to my number one. Go to your number I'll one. My number, my number one is Jojo Rabbit. Oh my gosh, I didn't see that. You should see it. I don't know. You should see it. It's controversial. Yeah, uh, but not... it's funny. Oh, it's funny, and it's. I mean, that it's it's it made me I laugh. Can't believe that's your number one. It made movie. me laugh hard. It also made me cry. I cried in the theater. During this movie, oh my gosh, it's really, really good. Made by a talented younger director. Uh, All right, you should like don't scoff. Jojo Rabbit is a masterpiece. It's a terrible name. Yeah, it is. It's not great. Um, a, I mean, it's going to throw a lot of people off from watching it. Well, I mean, do you know what other movie that was true for? Was the Shawshank Redemption? Really? Yeah, Shawshank Redemption was a box office bust when it came out. People like I don't even know how to say it. Which I don't, which I don't get because it's, it's pretty simple to say. A, yeah, it's a pretty readable yeah, word. Shawshank. <laughs> Shawshank. Yeah. yeah, but but people didn't people, and then they found it later. So don't. Well, it's a great movie, Shawshank Redemption. And um, Jojo Rabbit is a great movie. You should check it out. So some of the movies I had on my list uh, were Shazam. Didn't see it. Oh, great movie! It was really fun, um, as superhero movies go. Um, I did put the uh, last Star Wars on there only because it was the last one. And, you know, it was – it's – if you're a fan of this um, series of movies, you kind of have to see it um, to to get to the end of the saga, so to speak. Um, are, are there problems with it? Sure, it's not perfect. Um, and I think the Disney – um, adaptations of the of the Star Wars story are problematic in a lot of ways, but um, this is a this is a movie that for Star Wars fans is a must. And I don't I don't want to push I don't want to push our time much farther than we've already gone. Okay. But I do have a question. I guess one I got one last movie that you're going to laugh at, but that's fine. That's fine. I like laughing. Um, I know you do. <laughs> uh, I have one question because you're a Star Wars guy. I'm not. Yes. Do you think? That one of the things that's happening is, do you think that in the age of the internet, do you think that Star Wars can do or can live up to what it is? My, think, okay, Star Wars was created well before the internet. Oh, well before, and had it was it was almost passed down. And one of the reasons why I'm not a Star Wars guy is because my parents didn't like it, so it didn't get passed down to me. I see, but it got passed down generation to generation, right? Right. But now. With the internet, so much information and so much opinion is available. Yes. Like, it can't... So, I'm not saying... And spoilers and rumors yeah. and... it, And there's and a million ex- YouTube and, and guys expe- doing it. And expectation. Yep. So, I'm wondering if... It's hard. I'm wondering if the, the, the thing that helped make Star Wars the cultural icon that it is can survive in the internet age. Yeah, it might not. That I mean, I don't know. I mean, The Mandalorian is excellent on Disney Plus. Awesome Star Wars story, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, 
you know, sort of like a space Western almost. And I really enjoyed that. Um, but I think you're right. I think there's so much sort of, well, there's the nickname for it. It's called the fandom menace. Yes. And so the fandom menace is, is out there. And so everybody gets up in arms and everybody, it's this sort of like, I hate the movie culture comes out. Yeah. And I agree. That's tough. And it makes it hard for fans like me. I heard um, I heard a I heard a phrase and this is this is not about movies it's actually about news with uh some of the news but I heard I heard a phrase that I think is poetry it's truth and poetry and I think in some ways it 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 uh applies to movies like the current uh Star Wars movie and it's a lie can make its way around the world before the truth can get its socks on oh sure and I think that applies here in that yeah like enough Loud negative reviews are going to make their way around before Agreed. you're going to hear it, whether you're trying to or not, maybe before you've seen it. Agreed. So, nope. I, again, I'm not a Star Wars guy. I don't care. But I feel bad for Star Wars fans that are of even keel yep. with realistic expectation that might have had their experience ruined by early noise. Yeah. No. And that's a good, very, very good point. Um, and. I'm guilty of watching a lot of that stuff um, because I, I just want to know what's going on most mm. of the time. I'm I'm weird like that. Um, well, I mean that's that's one of the reasons why we do this podcast. Is we're right. interested to that level, right? The one of the last movies I want to bring up is uh, it's a movie called Long Shot. Oh yeah, I saw it recently. It's on HBO. Right. I enjoyed that movie a lot. I really I thought it was it was well done, well acted. It was a funny story. Um, kind of turns everything kind of upside down where the, the woman is the, you know, the, the power broker and the, the guy is kind of like a schlub. And again, hard to imagine these two people coming together. But in this movie, they make it look yes. like, wow, that really could have happened. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's charming. Yes. And he's earnest. Right. Um, May not be the best looking guy in the world, but she falls for his... Cut- Goodness. They, they, you know what they did with Seth Rogen in that movie, though? They, like, like, I, I this is going to sound like I'm making fun of Seth Rogen, and I'm not. Okay. In the way that they trimmed his beard, they had Seth Rogen, like, they cut a striking image of Seth Rogen. Like, they probably, made him as handsome as they could. Yes. And, um. Except for all the, like, skinny jeans and all that well, yeah. crud. Um. I I saw it. I liked it. I didn't laugh as much as I thought I would. Okay. I thought that it had potential that wasn't realized. Right. It wouldn't be my number one. Yeah. But so, no. But but it's on my list if of you've, movies this year that I really liked. If you've got an HBO subscription, watch absolutely. It. Yeah. And or Netflix or wherever. No, you, it's on HBO right now. So so you can't get it anywhere else. No. Oh. No. They exclusivity. All right. Well, fine. <laughs> right. Well, why don't um, you take us home? I will. The last, there's one more movie I oh. had on my list. It was Captain Marvel. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I'm not a huge fan of of Brie Larson, but I liked the movie. Oh, I think it she's talented, but it, well, fair whatever. enough. Fair enough. It's on my list. I liked it. Yeah. Fine. Good movie. Um, well, thanks for joining us today for this. You know, this is the typical end of the year, beginning of the year um, list kind of show. Uh, we We hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to somehow share your opinions with us, I'm not sure how we're doing that. We'll figure it out. Okay. But if you'd like <laughs> to share your opinions with us, 
That would be great. You give a call to Catholic TV. <laughs> Maybe there's an email or comments at the bottom of the oh, page. Oh, yeah, yeah, or... yeah. Comments. Yeah. As a matter of fact, on your uh, podcast platform of choice, uh, give us a rating. Oh, yeah. Leave us a review. You can we, leave a review. You can, you can make your own that comments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Sounds I would love good. to hear from you that way. I would love to hear from people. I think you should. That would be our preferred us, way. It would be. I think you should give it a review. You should make a comment. You should like it. Subscribe, everything. Yeah. It's a wonderful. It's wonderful for us, and hopefully, we give you something that's worth listening to. But uh, I'm Father Chip Hines. I'm Brian Swift, and we'll see you next time on Never a Dull Movie. Thank you for listening to Never a Dull Movie. Never a Dull Movie has been a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. To learn more about this podcast and the other great podcasts on the Grexley Podcast Network, please check out grexley.com. That's G-R-E-X-L-Y.com. And if you're interested in supporting this podcast, please check out the Patreon page at patreon.com slash grexley. When you join our Patreon page, you will receive early and exclusive access to unique content. Thanks for listening to Never a Dull Movie, and we will see you next week.